And ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Edric Poon and Company, the podcast where anybody can inspire everybody. And this week, all right, we have Mr. Sultan Joseon. His name sounds like royalty, and to me, he's definitely royalty, right? Directly from the Philippines, Sul is the founder of CloudLogic, an amazing e-commerce solutions provider that provides end-to-end solutions in the realm of e-commerce. So Sul is the self-titled Chief Creator of Opportunities at CloudLogic, and I'm very, very happy uh, that he's able to join us, and we get to catch up with him via the Epic Podcast. So before uh, we get into this, again, thank you to all those who have followed, watched some of our episodes, supported, and definitely subscribed. If this is your first time on the channel, please feel free to click like, comment, and subscribe. If you're on Spotify, please follow us as well. We've passed 30 episodes. Come on, you can do this for us, right? And now, please show your support. On to the podcast we go. Hey, Sul. Hello. How you doing, my man? I'm good, I'm good. Great, great, great. Hey, it's really, really good that you could join us uh, today in the podcast. It's a Saturday. Thanks so much for taking part of the weekend uh, to actually join us, uh, especially this little production that we have right now. Thank you as well, Edric. No problem. Hey, um, you know, you've been in the business a long time. The last time we met each other was when, number one, travel was still available. Uh well, well, we can only hope for more. And number two, you know, you brought me to a wonderful bar the last time we went, <laughs> we went to the Philippines. <laughs> Not sure if you remember, but it, I, I loved wh- where you brought me because um, you were saying, okay, let's go for a drink. I'm like, okay, cool. I really thought that we would, you would just bring me to some touristy area as, as always, right? As others always bring. And all of a sudden, we drive into this one building. I'm wondering, oh, man, this this... This reminds me of the 1980s, the car park, small little industrial building or something like that. I thought it was a travel agency that closed down, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Then you open the door, we went in. It's like, oh, my, the lobby's empty. This is like really not the living dead kind of setting, right? You open the door, it's a bloody barber shop over there. They're still running. <laughs> this is 8.30 at night. There's no customers. They're cleaning up everything. We, you say hi, they say hi. We just keep walking through the barbershop, so small, maybe like maybe uh, six feet, seven feet deep. And then all of a sudden, there's this one door right in front of us, right? And you creaks open. You walk in, it's dark. We go through there, see copper pipes start to go all over the place. You follow the copper pipes in, and the place opens up into this amazing industrial looking setting with a great bar playing. Like- correct, correct. I'm like, what is this place? So, Anyway, thanks so much for that. That's amazing, you know. I yeah, I think uh, it's a thirsty barber. Ah, the yeah. thirsty barber. That was the place. Correct, right. correct. So yeah. If you're in the Philippines, uh, if you haven't found that spot, please do. Uh, for anybody who's listening out there, I hope the place is still open because it's an amazing, amazing place. Right? I remember there were some craft beers there. Either that or Stella was correct. always uh, uh, Stella on. was available. Yep, yep. Right. Oh, anyway. So, Let's put that aside. All right. Uh, maybe, okay, it's two o'clock. Alcohol's perfectly fine at this hour. Well, my day starts at 11. Anyway. Should, no. should I open a can of beer or a bottle? You, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Beer. 
damn problem. Uh, I'm so upset with myself. You know, I feel I feel so ashamed of myself not being able to buy beer in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have a stock oh, here. <laughs> tell us a little bit more about uh, Cloud Logic. I mean, you've been in this for such a long time. Do do tell the audience a little bit more about your business. Oh yeah, okay. So Cloud Logic, uh, we started maybe I think around 2004. So we're what 18, 17, 18 years already in the business. Uh, when we started that, the interesting part, Edric, is like uh, there's just four of us. I think the the investment, if I'm not mistaken, is about twenty five thousand pesos each, right? That that that's cheap, dude. <laughs> yeah. So twenty five thousand each, and then uh, what uh, triggered us to start that is to look at the opportunity of uh, in in the gaming cards. Uh, before, bef before, uh, when you play your uh, computer games, uh, the one that's our MMORPG, so it's right. play for pay. So you actually buy a card from, let's say, 7-Eleven, and then uh, you scratch the number, enter it into the game, and then it will give you like uh, seven hours of playing time or uh, one month of playing time, etc. So we saw that opportunity. We're in, uh, okay. How about those people who wants to play or needs to reload, but it's at the middle of the night, right? And they don't want to go out, right? So there's no way for you to purchase any of those cards. So we started talking to the different uh, providers of those uh, uh, electronic uh, pins, no? uh, the, the gaming cards, right? And we told them, why don't we explore transferring that to an electronic pin. So instead of printing it in a card, give us a set of pin, pin numbers. We'll upload it uh, through a website. Uh, once a purchase, uh, an order is made, then we will send it via email, right? When we started that business, basically what we're doing uh, maybe for about a week is since uh, the, the providers are not yet sold with the idea is we actually buy a lot of cards and actually manually scratch it in our office. No, there's four of us. It's a startup. It's a, we're using like my room at home. Okay. We would manually scratch it, enter it to email, send it to them. Right. And then I think about two weeks on, into it, one of our uh, biggest partner was ABS-CBN, which is which is one of the biggest talk, uh, TV uh, networks here. No, right. uh, back then they're they're I think number two in terms of a gaming publisher uh, here in the Philippines. So they agreed to to create those electronic pins, uh, and then from there we actually automated everything. So if you order from our site, our site back then is called digitalmartian.com. All right. That's about when, uh, back in 2004, right? So when we automated it, we saw the power of e-commerce. So imagine we were sleeping and orders are coming in and then orders are served automatically. So that opened our eyes into e-commerce. And back then, mind you, there's no credit card providers. There's no anything, any single uh, infrastructure of e-commerce in the Philippines. So even the program, we need to create it from scratch. The payment gateways is actually PayPal based in the US. 
the money goes to a PayPal account or a bank account in the US and we need to wire it here so that we can play, pay our suppliers. Right? And that opened everything to us. And then from then, um, we graduated to creating our own store or e-commerce store uh, to sell physical items, right? So I think that's maybe four or five years after, uh, I mean, four to five years uh, from 2004, and then we had this chickify.com. Uh, we were actually talking to different fashion uh, companies and telling them, okay, so this is the predecessor to Zalora. Mm. <laughs> All right. So even before Zalora and Lazada and Shopee went into the Philippines, we had that platform already. We're in people, the, the SMEs, uh, the friends we know who are into fashion, they can actually sell uh, their items. No? And we will do it. We will uh, deliver it uh, for them. They, we can warehouse it. And we started in a small space. Maybe I think at that time, our office was like maybe 50 square meters only. Okay. When we saw the potential of it and how the system works, then we started talking to the different brands, to the big brands already. But at that time, the challenge is nobody knows what's e-commerce, right? Nobody knows, oh, will this work? Now imagine, I'll tell you a story. Imagine my mom, my parents, Edric, they, 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 they would actually tell everyone, you know, my son doesn't do anything, just sleeps. Because <laughs> nobody understands what the f e-commerce. Come on. You know, they can't understand that we're generating revenues even while we're sleeping. And that's the beauty of it. Then we started talking to different brands. They started, okay. Uh, Planes and Prince is one of our longest client. Uh, they're they're one of those who started uh, having their own .dot com, uh, and our specialty back then is .dot uh, com. Uh, one of our biggest clients also is Titan. Uh, Titan is like uh, the sellers of the collections of Jordans here uh, in the Philippines. So uh, when we were talking to them back then. Uh, they don't have any idea. They just want to have an e-commerce space. And it was very successful uh, for them as well. Then, uh, so I'm trying to tell you the history. So <laughs> uh, please bear with me. Then, um, I think at the time when Alibaba bought, so, okay, Lazada came, Zalora came. There wasn't any Shopee yet. Uh, when Zalora came, then... The nice thing that happened there is it opened up you know, the, 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 the market in such a way they are the ones actually educating, right? So both of them were very aggressive in the market. They're spending so much uh, on marketing, uh, trying to, to you know, get the market share of the business, uh, and they keep on pumping in money through marketing. So that education on part of telling maybe the population, no, okay, you guys should try e-commerce, it's very convenient, blah, blah, blah. That took care uh, those the, the entry of Zalora and Lazada, fast track, all of that. Now, so all this time, what we were handling is like dot-coms. No? So it's for the brands that we handle, Skechers.com, Kids, Perry, etc. 
uh, Titan. Uh, there's a lot more. Uh, I, I can't remember each one. Uh, and then from then, I think we went into servicing clients in Lazada, Shopee, Zalora, when Alibaba bought fully Lazada, right? Because mm. at that time, when Zalora and uh, Lazada went into to the Philippines or even the Southeast Asian market, it was uh, handled by the Rocket Group, you know, based in Germany. Uh, it was cutthroat, you no. Know? Uh, at that time, I, I don't believe in how they work, and but when Alibaba bought fully Lazada, then that's where okay might as well look into this uh, business of servicing clients in Lazada, Shopee, and Zalora. Then uh, we went into it, start servicing different companies. And from there, we're actually a full service company. Now, if I could describe uh, uh, CloudLogic right now. So from imagine from uh, doing product photography, uh, hosting their dot-coms, creating their dot-coms for the brands, uh, connecting it to their system, uh, handling their Lazada, Zalora, Shopee, warehousing, uh, performance marketing, right? Uh, and recently, we came out with the service uh, more on business intelligence. No. Mm. So when I when when you said chief creator of opportunities, uh, I actually forgot about that. No, it's part of my. That's a joke around here in the office. No, because I, I don't want to be called like the CEO or the president or the managing director. My my role really is to look at you know things in a different perspective, right? So most of the time, though I'm very involved in the operations, uh, I would go out, you know, remove myself from the situation, look at it from the top. Where can we improve? How can I service my clients better? What do they need? What information can I give them so that they can pivot? very fast no e-commerce is pivoting very fast right now right. right so those are the things that i do for the company that's why you know that chief creator of opportunities is there and yeah so it's a uh, cloud logic you know it's a full end-to-end -end, uh service provider we warehouse we deliver we have our own riders uh we use 3pls as well yeah so there yeah, it is very interesting because you've you've basically mapped out the entire timeline, right, of um, 2004, of course, and the dot-com bubble really, really growing at that point in time, especially when it came to um, the e-commerce side of things. And what were the initial um, challenges at that point in time in terms of educating the customers, what you had mentioned, what uh, the e-commerce guys did for you? Yeah. So the biggest challenge, right? So before before Lazada, before Zalora, mm. the biggest challenge there is the number of credit card users, right? Right. The way we're tapping, uh, and COD back then is not available, right? There's no 3PL who would handle uh, cash on delivery, right? Uh, so we're relegated to bank transfer, right? Or uh, credit card payments. The bank transfer back then was very manual, meaning deposit it, scan or take a picture of your uh, deposit slip, send it to us. We will verify it, send to you uh, the product or the PIN that you order. So, but most of our transactions are actually credit card. At that time, we were looking at people who has credit card. So the market that we're targeting is actually those people who has credit card. And uh, we marketed using, back then, uh, 
maybe, well, 2010, there's 2010, there's Facebook already. There's Facebook, mm-hmm. Facebook advertising. And imagine, Edric, we actually have a case study created by Facebook for advertising back in 2010. That's how old I am. <laughs> and that's how 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 old I mean that's how I mean the history of the company, you know, back in twenty ten. Twenty ten, Facebook is just starting mm-hmm. their marketing business, you know. Uh the ads, etc. They were just starting back then. And we had a case study created by Facebook for us. No? Uh I think you guys can search that. Uh later on anyway uh and then moving backwards so at that time everything was google uh there's no facebook yet uh and then everything was through credit cards no? now the biggest challenge there is okay how can we increase our market more right because at that time it's only credit card then that's where uh we talk to like a courier a 3pl a friend of ours can you handle the cod part of our transactions Right, and then we told her, you know, go okay, you get two percent out of the uh, X percent of, of the transaction amount, uh, and here uh, she agreed, no, uh, and she handled the COD uh, for us, mm-hmm. and that's where you know, okay, there's really okay potential here, but there are challenges, but we see it growing and growing and growing, right, and just to share, no, uh, of course I've been tracking the growth, no. Year on year, ever since we started, I think it should be about 30% growth year on year, no matter what happens, right? Uh, of course, it's different now, right? It's different now because of the pandemic. Fast forward, you know, back then, again, it was the COD, there were new credit cards, people started to learn. And then now, initially, I remember that Cloud Logic was really about helping the dot coms, helping the brands to create an online presence. But then, once more of the marketplaces started coming in, did you end up having to face a certain time that you had to pivot? Because it's no longer us needing to build that much for you anymore, but it's more of how do we integrate now and and expand your presence across multiple um, uh, marketplaces? You know, do you, did you end up having to become an integrator and aggregator because of that? Hmm, interesting. Good question, uh, Edric. Um, maybe about, hmm, I can say, seven years ago, right? Uh, before that time, so that was, what, uh, 20, maybe 2014, 2015, around that time, we really hit Lazada. We really hit Zalora. We hit them. And we don't want, and we tell all the brands that we're handling, you guys don't need that, right? Mm. You don't need them. As long as you you have a .com, we can make it work for you. And it was working at that time, right? Uh, In fact, up to now, those clients of us who are still with us and on, they still have the .com. If I look at their numbers now, their numbers actually on their .com is much higher than Lazada or Shopee, right? Or or Zalora for that matter. And it shows that, you know, uh, the challenge in the .com is just building your traffic, building your customer base. But at the end of the day, if you're the brand, people would gravitate towards your .com. Right. Right. So 
then the pivot was when Alibaba and maybe about 50% of our clients are asking us, oh, we want you guys to open our Lazada. We want you guys to service our Lazada, da, 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 da. Mm. And then, okay, we were still, no, we don't do that, blah, blah, blah. And there's a reason to it, Edric, right? There's a reason, there's a personal reason to it. That's why, I mean, when I, when I, when I said it a while ago, it's kind of strong, no? We hate them, <laughs> right? It's because there's a personal reason to it, right? When Zalora went, okay, I don't know if I could say this, but. Basically, when they went into this market, they did something, something really, really bad uh, to us, no? to the company, etc., etc. And then I took it personally. I, you know, I told myself, okay, I won't do any business with them. The whole rocket group. So that's right. Zalora, Lazada, etc. Now, of course, when Alibaba went in, it changed. Temasek invested on uh, Lazada. Uh, with Temasek and uh, um, Alibaba investing on that change everything, no? And of course, we need to remove our own personal biases, and we need to look at the market objectively already. Then that's where the pivot happened that we went into servicing. And in fact, uh, the time that we went in, our competitors, our uh, the service providers in the Philippines are actually ahead of us, right? They're, they're maybe two years ahead of us in terms of, uh, of, of uh, uh, handling clients in the marketplace. And that's given, no, because it was a personal choice uh, of me uh, to, to do it like that. Now, did we catch up during that pivot? Now, I think so. Why? Because how the market, the, the biggest advantage of understanding how the dot-com works, it's actually more complicated on a dot-com than on a marketplace. In a marketplace, everything is set for you. Mm. Promos are laid out. These are the only rules that you need to follow, blah, 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 blah. On the dot-com, it's open. It's your imagination that, you know, that would, would uh, make you run your dot-com. Everything is possible. Right. That's why when we went into the marketplace like Lazada, Shopee, and Zalora, we know how to move around very quickly. Now, maybe that took us, I would say, three months, and we're good. We were handling it correctly. We were part of, we we're actually a Lazada partner. Right now, we're also a Shopee partner as well. Yeah. So, in the end, yeah, I mean, uh, once the personal side of things went aside, the necessary doors had opened up, you went in, you embraced it. And I believe that that was also a very good opportunity to uh, expand the business in itself. One more thing is that you you also do have a couple of other businesses under your name. Uh, one of them is a Pet Warehouse, you know, it's fresh produce, right? Yeah, well, okay. So uh, the investment, let's say, on, on the Pet Warehouse, we're actually not actively running it. Uh, our partners, we have a partner there who's running it. Uh, for me personally, it's really a personal investment on them. Uh, when when they were starting, they don't know same. They have a very good idea. They don't know how to do it. We need to guide them. Uh, 
the 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 pet warehouse owners i mean the the managing director there and the operational uh director they're dude you should meet them they're really really good and i can say you know pet warehouse is like the number one dot com uh for for go to right now in the philippines no uh what do we do for them we actually help them on the tech side so from their warehousing system to their dot com hosting it etc and we're more on the advisory board meaning if they want to move into this if they need investment on this we do that provide that for them uh, etc but day-to-day operations they're handling it and honestly there's that good uh i don't need to do anything <laughs> yeah sounds like a really good investment for you <laughs> oh, so far yeah <laughs> that's good to know that's good to know and um you know when you look back i mean let's let's talk about your own skill set first you know way way back then now i've known you as a business owner but what were you doing pre owning a business i mean did you just immediately go straight into e-commerce as a business in itself or did you start out uh, another business previously just to learn the ropes uh, maybe i'll start off you know i had this i had this before i i go into that you know story um Maybe I, I I just need to I just remembered this because I had this talk with my daughter uh, about three nights ago, right? Oh. Right. Uh, and then I was uh, I I came up to her room and she was crying, uh, and then uh, it was late late at night, maybe around ten thirty eleven in the evening, and I was like, okay. Uh, of course, I call her Achi Achi in Fukian is like the eldest uh, daughter, right? So I was like, Achi, what's wrong? Uh, because I saw her crying, and then she said, okay. I, she, she's what she's first year high school i think uh and then i was like oh what's wrong come on why are you crying and then she told me she's pressured so much because of my success of because of what i'm doing she sees me as super successful running uh, cloud logic and you know handling different businesses etc etc you know what, Edric? I told her, you know, okay, that's my problem with social media right now. The way they look at it is they look at the, what they can see. Just like in social media, Instagram, everything that is posted is what people can understand of that person. No? And I told her, actually, you need to understand the number of uh how do I say this? Uh, downfalls I had. If you look at this as a win, I can tell you a hundred stories where I lost. Right? And I need to tell her that, that part of what you can see now is that hundred, no? When I was crying, losing money, losing people, etc., etc. And that people, that most not people, especially the young ones, they don't see that. Yeah. And most entrepreneurs, when they come out with their social media, they paint a picture that they're so good, everything was perfect, da 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 da. I don't do social media. I, I have an Instagram account, I have a Facebook account, but I don't post anything because I don't want that idea 
especially to the young ones. No, look at the millennials. Look at you know uh, my my the kids. No, right now, that's the part that I want to change. Right. Okay. So that's where I'm coming from. Uh, it for for me to reach reach this point, I, I had so much. Uh, you know, for this one win, let's say, if I look at this as a win, uh, I had so much you know, uh, losses or, or failures, let's put it that way, uh, when I was starting out. And, okay, my career. Um, fresh grad, I'll tell you this story. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to show it. It's funny. Okay, I was a bum, let's put it that way, after graduation. I didn't work for a year, right? So my mom was paying, well, it's not paying me. I don't get any allowance from her. It's just that I'm not doing anything. I'm just a bomb, blah, blah, blah. So my mom actually asked me, oh, can you be my driver? I'll pay you. <laughs> I'll pay you as my driver, right? Because I wasn't doing anything. Anyway, so after a year, I started applying for different jobs. So my, actually, my first job is a programmer. My background is actually I'm a tech uh, guy, I know how to program. Until now, I still do programming, all right? Uh, so I am a trained, uh, basically, software engineer, right? So I do codes. I do system architecture. Uh, I can understand uh, the uh, AWS, the hosting, uh, etc. So I have a very good training on that. I, am, I was part of uh, corporate information solutions, I think, for three to five years. If I'm not mistaken, that was 30 or 30 years ago, uh, maybe or more, uh, or 25 years ago. I can't really remember. Uh, corporate Information Solutions is basically the pioneer in IT in the Philippines. Okay, uh, it was part of the Meralco Group. Meralco Group is our uh, biggest uh, energy distributor here in the Philippines. Right. Uh, started working there for them uh, uh, as a programmer and then stayed there for five years. But while doing that, I have so much of my sidelines. So we call it uh, the side hustles. Uh, I have my network gaming store. I have a Mr. Donut. I have uh, uh, small businesses left and right, da, 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 da. right? And of course, uh, I, I would try maybe two to three things no, in a year that, or maybe max of two. No, invest on it, small investment, try it out, see if it will be okay, etc. Uh, through all those years, I've worked with uh, uh, Corporate Information Solution. I was part of SMART. I, I'm a consultant for SMART for three years. I was part of Wolfpack. Uh, it's a vast value-added service company. Uh, I was a teacher. Okay. I was a professor. Yep. Uh, it's uh, for Thames International Business School. Uh, I was teaching IT. Uh, uh, I taught there for three years. Uh, then CloudLogic uh, came. Nah? Then when I was doing CloudLogic, uh, when we were starting, remember the pins, we don't need to do anything. I could sleep and do. So I was working, I think, with Smart back then while running Digital Martian, right? Because I can do that both at the same time. Right. right. Then came the family, <laughs> meaning I got married, I had kids, etc. So gone are my you know single days, going out to the bar, etc. Then I need to be serious, okay? And that's right. when I talk to the partners of Cloud Logic. Okay. Rather than giving dividends, let's start investing. 
on our future because every one of us are you know getting married and i'm sure we're gonna have kids eventually and that's where we you know decide that okay well i decided for the group that you know uh we're gonna reinvest the money to grow further this is the 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 company and well now no, this is what you know what happened already because of that mm, very interesting story I mean, okay you mentioned you had a mr donut like first off you, you've got so many investments right that you started putting in how, how it, it's very very enterprising number one number two the misconception here is that hey i'm loaded and that's why i'm investing so what did you have to do to actually just start doing all these little experiments to see where you were in this whole game Sorry, sorry. Can you repeat that? Is it within Cloud Logic, or is it as a general, oh, as a whole? Oh, how how'd you how you did you amass the funds on your own? Did you find people to invest with you? Oh, okay. So yeah, so the, interesting. You no, know, that's a good question. So, okay. The way I was brought up. How do I say this? Um, I don't have any. Uh, the the only thing I spent for myself is beer. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I, I, I don't I don't like cars. I don't like uh, anything. No gadgets, maybe, but not that much, right? I like new things, yes, but I like more than new things. I like tinkering around. You know, I like uh, experimenting on new things. So that programming side of me is the tinkering part, creating new systems, uh, creating shorter processes. Those are the things that you know would that would uh, spark my mind now of course when i was working with the corporate companies i get a salary right but imagine out of that whole salary i i have you know maybe i'm privileged also you know my my, my family is uh uh we're not filthy rich we're not that rich but we're okay right mm. so uh so of course uh, i don't need to rent uh the, my mom or my parents are providing that house for me. So more or less, maybe 80% or 70% of my money that I'm getting from my salary, I actually try to look for things to, to invest on. Now, typically at that time, at that age, I want, it's not enough for real estate. It's not uh, stocks. I have no idea how stocks works before, right? So I won't uh, invest on that then our family background is basically entrepreneurs now my from from my dad my dad my, my dad's business is a shopping mall in the province now so we have uh, like three cinemas there uh, this was back in 70s 80s now mm -hmm. uh, we have a department store etc etc this is uh, somewhere in the province right my uncles the the brothers of my my, my mom are entrepreneurs as well, no? And they they uh, they're part of the like the biggest uh, confectionery group, etc., uh, etc. Et so we had that, no, in the family. And I always look up to these people, right? Uh, and from there, that seventy percent of that uh, savings, I would look for something that I can put it into. Doesn't matter if it's big or small, right? Meaning, what's enough? Meaning, I look for a business that whatever savings I can put in, I'll, I'll try it out. Mm -hmm. If it grows, if I look at it, then 
uh, it grows. If it loses money, it loses money. No? The important thing is I get to learn. No? So every time, every single, and mind you, uh, uh, some of it earned money, uh, everything has closed down. And then I reach a point, this is the important point. I reach a point in my life that I need to ask myself, what is my specialty? What is the thing that I would concentrate on? What is the, you know, I'm good at. Then I would focus my all my energy to that. And that is Cloud Logic right now. Right. Right. Yeah. You were able to then through that entire process. I mean, this leads perfectly into the next question, right? I've always been asking this as well. Um, and even myself, you know, in terms of trying to start a business or trying to start anything. First off, we experiment, we try different things because that's part of the whole self-exploration process. You're trying to discover what you're good at, what you might not be so good at, or what you might not be so good at, but yet you're extremely interested in it. And then you develop as you go along. So uh, something that I, you know, I was discussing with a, uh, in a previous episode as well was that how do you turn your skills into a business? So in your case, you went through all of this just to find out what skills you had, or did you already know from the start, like these were my skills and I'm going to put them to good use? Because it comes with a maturity, doesn't it? Interesting. When, when I go into business, I don't look at the skills. <laughs> you know why? Like, like, for example, okay, my skill is basically a programmer, right? That, that I know by heart, I'm good at. Does it relate to business that I'm into? Yes, part of it. But overall, no. What, what, what? If, if you know, uh, try, uh, try to describe it. Uh, what I learned in running the, those businesses before, starting those businesses before, are those skills that I learned from then, that is actually what I'm applying now. Ah, okay. Let me try to be specific learning how to deal with the government, learning how to deal with the paperwork, right? At that time, when I was young, it's actually me who would file the SEC papers. Mm. It would be me who will get the permits or the, the uh, business permits from the local government unit. No? Uh, it would be me who will be talking to the, it's like the tax revenue uh, part of the government and those all of that no basically if i sum it up then it's what is me right now and those skills that i've learned not necessarily um forced into me it was retained because i went through it by myself right i it got retained on my head now everything i do now i can recall that right and if there's any special skill, you know, let's just talk about skill that I can apply here in the business itself is the architect part in me. When I say architect part, the software architect part, we're in, I can see, or how I look at this, I can see from top to the bottom, from start to end on where it will end already. From as simple as Okay, I'm talking to a client. They want this system, da, 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 da. That conversation alone, my mind is actually thinking on the whole architect of the whole thing, the architecture of the whole thing already. 
not just on a software standpoint, not just on the hardware standpoint, but including the business side of things, mm-hmm. right? That part is so important to me, right? And I think that's the only advantage because I can see that, I can draw that out on my head. I can imagine how it would work. If that thing, I tell myself, okay, sold, meaning I'm good, then most probably we can execute it. Most probably it would work. Yeah. And that's experience. That's part of the experience. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I, I, you, you are, like I mean, you are a tinkerer. So you've tried everything. You've learned through there, and that helped to kind of develop those skill sets along the way and lead you down this particular path you know, of not just expertise, but the ability to also connect everything laterally. Um, in, of course, contextually within what you've already learned. You know that that's a wonderful thing. One. Uh, one thing that I do also want to ask, it's something a little bit more personal. You had mentioned that your parents are entrepreneurs. Um, and I believe that wisdom is passed down through generations and it's something that doesn't necessarily change over time. What was that piece of advice that stuck with you from your parents? That you Perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I was thinking that you're going to ask that question <laughs> before you ask that question. Uh, it's actually being resourceful. If there's one thing uh, that the, my dad taught me ever since I was young, maybe started telling me about it when I was what, grade, maybe five, maybe seven years old. It's being resourceful, meaning in, in anything that you do, you look at the resources very scarce. Any, all resources are scarce, right? So do what you can do with based on what you have, right? So how can you reach that full potential with the resources that you can have right now? So it goes to efficiency, et cetera, et cetera. And how do they train that? Uh, that's a, I just want to share that. How do my parents or my uncles train me on that? So back then, uh, we were in um, maybe back in 1984. I would remember I was, I think, seven at that time, seven years old. It's in uh, Disneyland. It's the opening of uh, Disneyland. I think my, my uncle told me, you know, uh, from the hotel, go to this uh, Yoshinoya, the, the place, the, the Gyudon place. No? Go there, buy this for breakfast for Ama, uh, and uh, uh, so that she'll have that breakfast the next day. At that time, I was, like, I was seven years old. How do I go there? And then they would always tell me, you need to know how to use your resources. So, okay. And then I was like thinking, huh? It's like, oh, you're in a hotel. Go to the concierge. Ask them, you know, for a map, things like that. Or when you're walking, ask the people around, right? So they set that tone already for me when I was young, right? And uh, there's a lot of instances about that. And there's a lot of instances that I was like, I won't understand it as a kid. And I would cry because I don't know what to do. In hindsight, oh, okay, that's why it's like that. You know, it's actually using the resources that you have. There. I, I think that's not just great business tip, but I think that's great parenting tips as well. You know, um, moving forward, it's going to be very, very difficult for the kids. And uh, I do empathize with you and that conversation that you had with uh, your daughter, you know, that couple of nights ago, because I, I've got a kid, he's 10. 
uh, he himself also wonders, you know, when when I'm doing this podcast and uh, every week I'm doing a couple of podcasts here and there, right? So he asked me, oh, are you on YouTube? That's the first thing he asked, right? So I'm like, yeah, yeah I am on YouTube. So, oh, does that make you a YouTuber? I said, no, 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 no. YouTubers, I, I'm assuming that you're thinking that the YouTubers who have a lot of followers, you know, and all that. No, I'm not a YouTuber. Do you make a lot of money? I said, look at our house. Do you think we make a lot of money? <laughs> you know, we, we stay in a small place, right? It's, ho- it's home. It's cozy. It's home. That's most important. But I had to explain to him the same thing you did, you know, that uh, it, money doesn't fall from the sky. And you may think that this person that you're watching does a 15-minute video. Do you know how much effort that person has to, to put in to not just put the video out there? And besides, do you think putting a video out there is going to make you a lot of money just like that? He started to think, he thought that it was going to be that easy. I told him it's not that easy. You have to plan, you have to market, you have to edit, you have to do all this post-production. And not only that, you have to put in money to get the necessary equipment, people to assist you. You can't do it all by yourself all the time. So mm-hmm. then, then, you know, slowly, bit by bit, he started to see and, and connect the dots. He said, oh, wow, it really is not easy. I said, life is like that. But the more effort that you put into something and making sure that you learn something as you go along, then you can find a certain level of success. Because success, as you know, is not defined by, well, it's defined by yourself. It's your own definition. Some will be in material wealth. Some will be in material gain. Some will be saying that I've got a trophy wife. You know, but success yeah. at the end of the day, it's, it's defined by yourself. And um, that brings me to one question to ask you. What is your definition of success then? <laughs> That's my definition. Okay. I, I look at our businesses, uh, treat everyone as like family, right? So, so if I don't look, how do I say this? I don't look at it as a success. As long as I can uh, give jobs, as long as I can, you know, especially in this pandemic, if I can give more jobs to people, if I don't cut down uh, the, the pay, if I don't cut down any of the jobs, uh, that's success for me, right? Uh, giving more, giving back, right? Uh, creating more jobs, uh, providing more opportunities, uh, creating opportunities no, to other people, to not just people, to our clients. Uh, seeing our clients happy with the service, right? Uh, those are the success measures for me. Monetary, it's always secondary, the way I look at it. No? Uh Maybe primary is you know doing a good service, not just to to our clients, to 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 our staff. Uh, yeah, so I think that that's how I would define uh, success. Mm. Very very nice. I I love the fact that it's again toward the client, and it's not just about me 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 and my business. It's about the people, you know, and that aspect of it. I I really it's. A business is really built around people and not so much around the skills or that that list of services that we can provide. You know, it's still based on the people. Yeah. And, you know, um, one thing that I would also like to provide is uh, you're, you're in the e-commerce business a long time already. Is there any possibility to, let's say, for example, uh, you know, give some tips on somebody saying that, okay, during this pandemic period, I need to find some income. 
instead of doing something too quick and dirty, but learning how to build something that could be sustainable, uh, do you think that there are any tips for e-commerce sellers out there who are trying to get into the business right now? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the same tip that I do give our uh, newbies or, or uh, account uh, executives who are kind of new to, to, to CloudLogic. I actually tell them, sell something for you to be good at what you're doing and for you to be good at servicing your clients sell something on the platforms like Shopee or Lazada right and from there maybe try to understand the product right that's one you need to understand your product us we need to understand our client right we need to understand their business, uh, the DNA of the brand that you're trying to sell. That's the first part. Once you understand that, you now know how to sell it. You now know who to sell it to, right? On a client perspective, we actually try to deep dive and try to understand their business. Why? Because we should know how to pivot. No, during like a pandemic or uh, pre-COVID, after COVID, we need to let them don't know that. But going back to your to your question, I mean, I would go far on the tips, right? And then from there, maybe uh, what they need is uh, uh, they need the the next step is they need to learn how the market works, right? So that's very important. How how Shopee, how how. Uh, uh, how Lazada works, uh, and plan out an execution, no, right? And then from there, make sure you execute, make sure you sell, right? Because most people, what I see, Hendrik, is they have this great, great idea, but they don't follow through, especially the young ones, no? They give up easily, right? And they haven't even explored like 10% of it, and they just give up. So if there's anything that I would advise them is see through it, plan a good, you know, create an execution plan, make sure you execute it. Right. And why do you think they give up? That That's always been the point whereby I always wonder, right? Like for everything that is a point of failure, you know, uh, in, as an engineer, you will understand that, right? Uh, at every point, there is a point of failure. But how would a young person who is trying to understand this actually see that that will be the point of failure instead this perceived point of failure well okay the question is why 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 do they stop no why do they why, why do, do they stop because they haven't learned how to lose then they're very scared of that part right that's how i look at it right so let's put it this way the way i train my own staff is try it out try it out try it out don't don't be scared of making mistakes, right? Uh, it's okay to make mistakes. You, the, the important thing in making mistakes is learning from it. I think the younger generations now, they don't have that luxury anymore of losing, right? That's why, like my kids, I tell them, go into sports, right? Because they need to learn how to lose but they for them to- participation now. <laughs> they need to really learn. I mean, even my 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 staff, my management, I always tell them they need to learn how to lose. Mm. Right? Once you've mastered that, 
winning is the easiest thing, right? And that is so hard to explain, but there's a lot of analogies to it. There's a lot of uh, things, you know. Uh, it's it's a, a matter of perspective, you know, that learning how to lose will actually lead you to actually winning. Yeah, or actually continuing or executing it, right? Because you won't be scared of failures anymore, right? And that's the mindset that we want to teach teach our kids, no, in the younger uh, generation. And that's what social media is stopping. Well, this is my opinion. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's what social media is stopping uh, them from seeing, no? right? Because all they're seeing is success, 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 nice cars, Beautiful family, da 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 da. They don't see the dark side of everything anymore, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Completely understand. I mean, I'm going through it as as you know. Uh, we're trying all sorts of things. Uh, use just trying anything. Uh, to to improve things like simple things, even the production quality over here. I'm a one man show. Yeah, yeah. So you know, just again, uh, just adding on to that point is everything. We're just trying, trying different things to the point whereby we can actually make it work. You know, so thank you so much for uh, that piece of wisdom. And um, this one really is for you. And also, I think it's a point of inspiration to many as well. What's your favorite thing about business? <laughs> Uh, my favorite, uh, I'll, I'll be frank with that. It's a control over time, okay? I can control my own time. Uh, let's put it this way. Ever since, I, I told everyone, even my, my uh, partners would know this. I'm the laziest person in the, his, this, this whole world. Let's put it that way, okay? Uh, I like to sleep. Uh, I like to, to uh, spend time like reading on books, uh, etc. So I would actually tell them, I'm the laziest person. And of course, nobody believes me, because yeah? they see me work. <laughs> they, they see me work, and in fact, they see me, okay, that I don't trust on my work, right? But that giving control over time is meaning I know when to wake up. I know when I need to get into a meeting. I know that okay, if I need to uh, work for 48 hours or 72 hours, let's say straight, still i still have control right what 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 i don't like in a corporate job based on my experience before is mm. i've done everything already i've asked for some more work they cannot give me anything else and if i go home or sleep at work they would get mad at me that i don't agree in fact my rule for my direct lines of uh people is I, like before pre-COVID when uh, there's no work from home, I would tell them, okay, I don't mind what time you guys go to the office, even if it's one o'clock in the afternoon and you guys leave at five. I don't really care. For me, it's all about deliverables, right? Mm. So if you guys tell us, tell me during this uh, weekly meeting that, okay, these are the deliverables, deliverables for the week, then I would expect that those deliverables will happen that week. However you do it, do it within one day. I don't really care, right? Mm. It, it's at the end of the day what you can give me, right? So there. Uh, I think that that's uh, my favorite thing about the, the business owner. 
Nice, nice, nice. All right. Hey, thanks so, so much for spending this time with us. You know, uh, there's one last segment that we always do with all our guests, and that is a quick, uh, small little game called the Epic Questionnaire. We always have this rapid fire of 10 questions with our guests, and it really gives us an insight into who you are. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, are you ready? Sure. All right. So, Sancho Sun with the Epic Questionnaire. Question number one. One word that you love the most. Love. <laughs> One word that you dislike the most. Hate. If you could have a conversation with one person, dead or alive, uh, fictional or non-fictional, who would that be? Warren Buffett. What do you say to yourself in the, mor in the mirror every morning? You're the best. Name one superpower that you like to have. Invisibility. Uh, Why? Why? Uh, it just came out of my head. I don't know. All right. Favorite dish to eat? Oh, any breakfast food. So there's a lot. Yeah. All right, favorite travel spot or the next travel spot that you'd like to go to once borders open up? Iceland, most probably. Wow, bringing the family or just yourself? Family. Nice. And something in the arts that you've always wanted to do but yet to do so? Something in the what? In the arts. What do you mean? It could be dance, it could be singing, it could be... Uh, oh, play, oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, learning how to play the piano. Oh, piano. Hmm. What does retirement look like to you? Part of the advisory board, still running, uh, still doing business. Uh, yeah. So technically, you're never retiring. I, I, I don't see myself doing that because of... How do I say this? Uh... I have this feeling that if I do get out of it completely, I would start to deteriorate. Mm, understand, understand. And last question, how do you want to be remembered? What's your legacy? Uh, okay, I've given enough, given so much to improving the lives of other people. All right, and that is... Ladies and gentlemen, Sultan Joson with the Epic Questionnaire. So again, thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us for uh, this week's episode. And we really, really do hope uh, that you will continue to support. Thanks again for joining us in this week's podcast together with me and Sul. And uh, Sul, stay on the line. All right. Uh, just going to get your feedback on this. And okay, everybody. So that's it for this week's episode of the podcast. Again, thank you. Click like, comment, subscribe, do what it is you need to do on the internet, okay? And with that, happy Saturday, happy podcast. Ciao. See ya.